our Wednesday night service. We're glad you're here. I know uh, you've been enjoying the uh, Wednesday night series and getting to hear uh, a number of different men from different places speak. We have uh, one more Wednesday night in our series. That's next Wednesday night, and I hope you can be here for that. And then we begin our regular uh, program of studies uh, for the fall. We're very happy tonight that Dale Foster is here. Um, somebody asked me if I needed a bio to introduce him, and I told him I didn't think so. For some reason, it's typically worked out that if he's here, I'm not. I don't do that on purpose, but I've been at 249 a lot when he's not there, so he doesn't do that on purpose either, I think. But uh, So we don't normally get to see each other on a Wednesday night, but we've seen a lot of each other over the years. Uh, Dale preaches for the 249 Church in Houston. Uh, before that at Jersey Village, he, he's preached in Arkansas and Texas, preached in Canada, and uh, as you know, has gone to India a number of times, a lot more than I have. In fact, he just got back from a trip uh, last week, a short trip, but uh, he's made a number of uh, trips during the summer now, uh, in addition to the one he usually makes in January and February. Uh, Dale's wife is Sharon. They have two daughters, four grandchildren, one great-grandchild. And uh, the brethren at 249, I know, love him and appreciate what he's done to help them. And we uh, have had a long and good friendship. Uh, we've spent many an hour together. We've been lost some of the best, best places you could imagine. Uh, but that's another story. I know that you're interested in hearing Dale. We're going to pray for just a minute, and then Dale's going to speak for us. Father in heaven, we're thankful tonight that we share this time with each other. We're thankful that we can hear your word proclaimed, and we're thankful for the one who will proclaim it tonight. Bless him. Continue to bless his work here and abroad. We pray that you'll help each of us to be good hearers tonight. May we take the things we hear and learn and make use of them in our own lives. Would you bless us now, help us during this hour, that we might be better and closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dale. Thanks, Alan. Uh, he's right about us getting lost. Uh, if you ever want a good tour guide, don't hire Alan. <laughs> or me either. <laughs> we've been lost in America and in, in India and every other place we've gone, it seems like. But we always, somehow or other, we finally get back. I don't know, dropping breadcrumbs or something. But anyway, we, we manage to get back. It's always a joy uh, to be with Alan. And... Uh, when I talked to him on the phone yesterday, he said, I hadn't got any place to go tomorrow night. <laughs> so I'll see you. <laughs> but we, we, we do have a good time together, and it's, uh, 
special uh, relationship to have a good brother in Christ that uh, we have so much in common. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. There was a news item uh, that was a follow-up to a shooting that had happened the year before. There was an innocent woman who had been uh, shot in the crossfire between two men, and she became paralyzed by that injury. And the item was about the huge change in her life uh, since the shooting. And the thing that struck me most was her statement, I know I haven't forgiven them yet, but I know I have to, because if I don't, God won't forgive me. Well, you know, I could see the pain that she was in, and I could, I could see that her life was so much damaged and lost. And, uh, but I wanted to say, no, God loves you. Uh, he, he can see that you're greatly damaged, and it's all right. But she knew the truth. You know, beyond the emotion of a very terrible crime like this, and there are many of them that we all know about, the truth is that unless we forgive those who have harmed us, uh, who have sinned against us, God will not forgive us. That's the plain truth, and that's what Jesus said. And so she said two things that are true. The first one is, we must forgive in order to be forgiven. And that's the consistent teaching of the New Testament. We've seen what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 14 and 15. And he says it in a number of other places. For example, in Matthew 7, 2, he says, In the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And the measure you use is the measure that will be used to you. In Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35, Jesus tells the story or the parable of the unmerciful servant. And then he concludes by saying in verse 35, this is how my Heavenly Father will uh, treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. And what, he's, what he means is uh, that the unmerciful servant was delivered to the torturers. And Jesus says, this is the way my Father will treat you if you don't forgive uh, from your heart uh, your brother. In Mark eleven twenty five, Jesus said, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, Forgiving, so that your heavenly Father may forgive you your sins. Paul says it in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive each other whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. James says in chapter 2, verse 13, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And so it, it covers the entire New Testament. That's the consistent teaching of the New Testament that we must forgive in order to be forgiven. And if we don't forgive those who harm us, God will not forgive us. Plain and simple. So what is forgiveness? Well, some people who have trouble with forgiveness think that forgiveness... Takes the, doesn't take the harm of sin seriously. But the truth is that forgiveness does take it very seriously. Uh, forgiveness does not excuse sin. 
Uh, it doesn't say, oh, that's all right. Uh, your sin wasn't really a bother. My stay in the hospital wasn't that long, and I was able to catch up on my reading. No, forgiveness calls sin, sin. Tells it like it is, what it is. And in many ways, it holds the sinner accountable uh, for their actions. Now, forgiveness says, you hurt me, and what you did was wrong, but I won't hold it against you, I won't try to get back at you, and I won't hate you for it. That's forgiveness. Not only that, but forgiveness also initiates the process. Uh, you've most likely heard somebody say, or maybe you've said it yourself, well, I'll forgive them if they'll come and tell me they're sorry. You ever heard that? You ever said that? I'm not asking for a show of hands because I don't want to raise I don't want to raise mine. Well, that's not God's way. God says, I forgive you. Now, will you accept it by confessing and repenting? Uh, if we wait for a confession to forgive, most likely we're going to have a long wait. Because most people are not going to come and say, I'm sorry. If their heart is right, they will. But most people are not going to do that. So we're going to have a long wait if we're waiting for that. Now, Philip Yancey wrote a book entitled, What's So Amazing About Grace? And he tells a story about a man and a wife who had an argument one night about how she cooked the dinner. And it became so heated that that night they slept in separate rooms over how dinner was cooked. Well, neither one had approached the other in order to say, I'm sorry, or to offer forgiveness. And they have remained in separate rooms for years after that argument. Now, can you imagine anything as silly as that? And each night they go to bed hoping that the other will approach them with an apology or ask for forgiveness. But neither of them will go to the other. They just absolutely refuse to do it. And so God's forgiveness, again, doesn't wait for repentance it initiates and calls out repentance by offering forgiveness. God offers to forgive us if we'll repent. And that's why some people have great difficulty in forgiving people. Either they don't like confrontation, or they don't want to confront someone with their sin, and so instead, uh, they just kind of stew in their unforgiveness, and they hate not wanting to do the hard work of forgiveness. Now, other, other times, the seriousness of forgiveness kind of shows up in the pettiness of our grudges. I guess that was pretty petty, just having a falling out over how the dinner was cooked. I don't know, I don't know what she did wrong according to him, but it must have been pretty grave uh, for them to have such a falling out and not have forgiveness. But there was a college student who was talking with a friend about trying to decide whether or not to get his hair cut short or to let it grow long. And he just went on and on and on and on. And finally there the guy said, well, why don't we pray about it? And that was kind of uh, his way of, he's joking. Uh, and, uh, but it was his way of saying that if it doesn't warrant prayer, then probably it really isn't that important of a decision, is it? Now some wrongs against us are uh, bad enough, I guess we could say, or serious enough to warrant forgiveness. Some behavior just needs to be excused. Uh, just needs to be overlooked rather than forgiven. Uh, accidents, mistakes, 
minor lapses in judgments, misunderstandings, uh, seldom need forgiveness. Uh, usually they just need to be excused, you know, just kind of overlooked. But there were two elderly sisters who were driving along and they had an accident in the car. And this happened about 20 years ago. And uh, each blamed the other for the accident. The lady that was driving blamed her sister for distracting her. And the, the other said that there, she was driving badly. And, and both of them should have just said, you know, these things happen. If, you're, if you've ever, if you drive very much, especially around here, uh, it took me a about an hour and a half to get here from my house in the rush hour train. If I go home, it'll only take 45 minutes, Lord willing. But we know about accidents, and these things happen. Uh, so they should have said, well, you know, these things happen, and just got on with life. But instead of excusing each other, they haven't spoken to one another in 20 years. Sisters. And, and that's the way some, some folks are. Well, somebody might say, well, isn't God's grace supposed to be uh, and His forgiveness free? Well, are you asking us then to, to earn our salvation by forgiving those who harm us? The answer is yes, God's grace is free, but He's not cheap. When God's grace comes into our lives, it, it doesn't leave us as we were. When we become Christians, we are different, we're changed. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And one of the first changes that, that God's grace makes is to give us the power to forgive. If we haven't changed uh, from our former life after we become Christians, something's missing, something's wrong. And by forgiving others, we are proving that we have accepted God's forgiveness and that we're living in it. On the other hand, if we refuse to forgive those who harm us, then we're showing that we haven't really accepted God's grace and thus it can be removed from us. And so it's very important that we understand that in order to be forgiven, we must forgive one another. Now the other truth that the woman on the news knew was that forgiveness is hard. If you've ever had a serious problem with somebody, if you've ever been seriously hurt, you know how hard it is to forgive. Uh, this woman uh, who was shot uh, in this crossfire was an athletic, vibrant young woman uh, before this bullet paralyzed her and changed her life forever. You can imagine uh, that kind of a situation. It kind of makes me think of the, the Boston Marathon bar, uh, bombing. Uh, some of those people who lost limbs and that. But I, I noticed on the news just not too long ago that one of those girls who lost at least a leg is now training to run a marathon with her artificial leg. And that's an amazing uh, attitude. You know, so many people when they have a, a life-changing something like that, especially uh, a senseless thing, as that was, uh, sometimes become bitter and turn inward and so forth, but uh, she did not. And so this young woman in the, on the news that I was talking about, her life was changed forever. How could she ever forgive that? You know, just think about that. I mean, she was an athletic young woman and now she's paralyzed through no fault of her own. She was just in, I guess you say, the wrong place at the wrong time. And she got shot uh, by someone who 
should have been shooting in the first place. You know, it's not easy to give up our right to be hurt, uh, to be angry, uh, to get back, to hate the other person for what they've done. And, and you may have had some terrible things done to you by someone that you trusted and someone you loved, and they hurt you and, and broke that trust. Uh, you may have lost a great deal because of someone's actions. Some time ago I had a message from a young preacher friend, and uh, he was very upset with a certain individual who he felt caused him to be asked to leave this church where he was preaching after he had only been there a year. Uh, they'd bought a new house, and uh, all of a sudden he's been asked to leave. And he said he you know, wound up losing about $20,000 uh, in this thing, and he was he was pretty bitter, and he was asking me, "What should I do?" Well, I don't know why he asked me, but I tried. As I thought about it, I told him what I'm trying to say now, and that is, first of all, we have to forgive in order to be forgiven, and second of all, that forgiveness is hard, and yet it's something that we must do if we're going to be right with God and right with one another. Now, the Bible tells us a story, the familiar story that all of us know, the story of Joseph. Remember, his ten brothers uh, first decided they'd kill him. They planned to kill him, but then because they didn't have the fortitude to do that, uh, when some Midianite traders came along, they decided they would sell him uh, off as a slave. And so these Midianite traders then took him down to Egypt and sold him to a man named Potiphar, who was the captain of Pharaoh's guard. And uh, things were going well. God was blessing Potiphar's house until Potiphar's wife began to make eyes at Joseph and uh, tried to seduce him. And he kept refusing her advances until finally one day she grabbed a hold of him and he tore off out of the house and left his garment in her hands. Well, that made her angry. And so she made up the lies that uh, to her, told her husband that Joseph was going, tried to rape her and all of that sort of thing. Her husband, of course, was angry and he threw Joseph into prison. He was in prison for a couple of years. And finally, without going uh, into the details of the story, uh, he went from slavery to prison to Pharaoh's court to second in command of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. Well, you remember then when famine drives his brothers to Egypt, he has them in his hand. And he plays with them for a while to see if they're still evil. And uh, they're probably more pathetic than evil. You know, they, you can tell they had a guilty conscience because they talk about, well, uh, we saw his anguish and we didn't do anything. Now God's paying us back for what we did. And it's been a good many years. And they're still uh, eating up with guilt about this. But then we're told that finally Joseph was going to forgive them and that he wept so loudly that everybody in the palace heard him cry. Now we're not told why he was weeping. But I imagine at least part of it was because what he was about to do was hard. It's painful. You know, by society standards, he had the right and the power uh, to kill them if he wanted to. But instead, he embraces them and forgives them. But it's not easy. It's hard. It's not easy to forgive. You can imagine, here he is, uh, maybe 
at least 13 or 14 years later, all of this has changed, all, all that he's gone through. And now here's these men who started all of this for him, put him through all the things that he's gone through, and he forgives them. Well, it's not easy to forgive. But God in His grace gives us the power to do it. Now, we're able to forgive because God's in charge. If we try to be in charge, we're not going to do it. You know, we're, that's when we're going to swell up and puff up and, and say, well, uh, it's sort of like a lady told me one time that a, uh, and I was, I was shocked by this, there was a preacher in another state years ago who had an affair with a lady in the church and after some time they repented and came before the church and repented. And this lady says, well, God may forgive them, but I won't. Can you imagine? When somebody does that, who are they putting themselves in place of? They're putting themselves in place of God. How can anybody say, God may forgive them, but I won't? And so Joseph says to his brothers in Genesis 50, verse 20, uh, you meant it for evil, or you intended to harm me. But God intended it for good, that it might accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Now that's, a, that's, that's what I'm talking about when God is in charge of your life. He can enable you to do things that you couldn't do by yourself. And Joseph is a good example of that very thing. Now we're also able to forgive because God takes the things that, that were meant to hurt us and He uses them for good if we let Him. I think that's in part what Paul means by that wonderful passage in Romans 8.28 where he says if we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him uh, who have been called according to His purpose. And so... Isn't it amazing? Have you ever noticed how much better hindsight is than foresight? Have you ever had these terrible experiences in the past and you thought, man, this is just the end. This is the most terrible thing that's ever happened to me. But you get on down the road a few years and you look back and all kinds of good things have happened that would never have happened in your life if that hadn't happened to start with. And I believe that's one way that God is able to use those things that... At the time, they are bad, and I'm not trying to minimize them. Uh, but if we'll keep our faith in God and, and, and let God use us in His way, then uh, it's amazing how He always works things out uh, for us in our lives. Also, we're able to forgive in light of God's forgiveness. You know, Jesus lets us know that if we refuse to forgive, then we really haven't grasped our need for forgiveness ourselves. Or how much God has forgiven us. And so in our pride and uh, so forth, we've not truly repented and God's not going to forgive us. But when our eyes are on the cross and the pain and the suffering that Jesus went through in order to forgive us and to cleanse us from our sin, you know, it can appear pretty minor uh, to forgive those who harm us. I'm always, ama I'm always amazed every time I read the story of the cross after how Jesus was, how he was 
treated before he ever was nailed to the cross. How he was beaten and had the crown of thorns and how he was mocked and spit upon and how he was slapped and hit with their hands. And then they put him on the cross. And while he's on the cross, they're going around it, making fun of him, mocking him, saying, aha, he claimed to be the Son of God. If God, if he's the Son of God, let him come down and we'll believe on him. And it's then that Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, I don't know about you, but can you think of a greater example of forgiveness than that? You know, when I think of some of the petty things that, that I feel hurt, my feelings have been hurt, or uh, someone has done me wrong, or whatever it is, and compare them to what Jesus did, went through, and yet he could say, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. It helps us to see that we're able to forgive in the light of God's forgiveness, and what God has done for us. In fact, forgiveness, uh, forgiveness is an act of faith. Going back to Yancey in his book, so what's, uh, what's So Amazing About Grace, he said this, At last I understood, in the final analysis, forgiveness is an act of faith. Uh, by forgiving another, I'm trusting that God is a better justice maker than I am. Uh, by, uh, by forgiving, I release my own right to get even and leave all issues of fairness to God to work out. I leave in God's hands the scales that must be balanced of justice and mercy. You know, it's sort of like uh, giving is an act of faith. We may say sometimes when we give, uh, I might not be able to afford this, but, but God looks after our needs, my needs. And so forgiveness is an act of faith. Because we're saying, if there's any punishment that's needed, or any giving of mercy, God will look after it just fine. We need to leave these things in the hands of God. Uh, we can't afford to take upon ourselves uh, this position of playing God. Uh, of deciding uh, whether we're going to forgive someone or whether deciding what kind of punishment they need for what they've done. We need to leave that uh, in the hands of God. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verses 19 through 21, Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Now, we, if we didn't read anything else, that's enough, isn't it? Isn't that pretty clear? Never avenge yourselves. But leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, give them something to eat. Uh, if they're thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap coals of fire on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so, you know, sometimes uh, we, we want to live by the old Lex Tolinus, the law of tit for tat, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. Uh, you did this to me, so I'm going to do this to you. And that's just not going to work uh, with what God wants us to do. And so we must forgive those who have hurt us for several reasons. Number one, because God commands it. Uh, number two, because our own forgiveness hinges on it. And number three, because it's the best thing for us. Now, did you ever think about that? Do you realize that as long as you allow someone, to, you refuse to forgive someone, you're allowing them to 
control you? That they're, they're, they're continuing to, to have power over you simply because you can't let it go. When we refuse to forgive, bitterness can grow like a cancer. Uh, and it eats away in us and it causes stress, it causes illness, it causes lack of joy. Uh, some of the most miserable people I've ever come in contact with are people who will not, cannot and will not forgive. And the reason they're so miserable is because they won't forgive. And so the only surgery or the only therapy for this cancer is the surgery of forgiveness. We need to cut it out and let it go. And so when we refuse to forgive, we allow the sin that hurt us, uh, is committed against us, to hurt us twice. Uh, once when we were sinned against, and again, by keeping us from receiving God's forgiveness. We need to stop the pain and forgive. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. It's not. I've already mentioned that that's one of the points that I'm trying to make. It's hard. But it's something that is absolutely necessary for all of these reasons that I've suggested. Is there someone you need to forgive? Is there someone you haven't talked to in a long time because of what they did? Is there someone whom you refuse to trust because of what they did? Now that's a, that's a tough one right there, isn't it? Now when people violate our trust, it's hard to Restore that trust or have it get to the point where we can actually trust them again. And of course, there's, there's responsibility on the part of the person that we're forgiving too in a situation like that. He has to demonstrate that he can be trusted again. But sometimes we won't even make the first step to forgive, forgive someone because the trust has been broken. Is there someone you avoid like the plague? You won't sit beside. Someone you just want to spit when you think about them. Now that's pretty, you know, just think about that. I remember one time I was at a lectureship years and years ago at a co Christian college. And I saw, I was walking with this preacher, and here comes another man toward us, another preacher, sorry to say. And when this preacher coming toward us saw this man, I hope it was him and not me. <laughs> I didn't know him, so it had to be, because this guy said, hey, how you doing? This guy turned around and walked the other way. Wouldn't even look at him. I didn't ask what's the deal, or I didn't say anything. But I thought, there's a problem right there. There's some kind of issue between these two men, and there's no forgiveness at least on the part of one. I think the, the friend that I was walking with had the right attitude. He tried to greet the man. The man just I literally turned and went the other way. Is there someone you're waiting for, for for a confession before you offer forgiveness? You know, they'll come and tell me if they're sorry, I'll forgive them. You must forgive them. 
Your own forgiveness relies on it. And so as I conclude, I hope that um, um, we'll think on these things. These are real, very, what I call human problems. And, and um, things that maybe all of us struggle with at one time or another in our lives. And yet, uh, I think the teaching of the Lord and the rest of the scriptures are, are very plain. That in order to for, be forgiven, we must forgive. Thank you.